Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello, what a beautiful Friday, and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Sports Map Radio Network. I am joined, as always, by producers G.K. Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Friday? Well, better that you're back, man. I know. It's, it's been a minute. <laughs> It's been a minute. I was at WrestleMania. I was at the Final Four, but I am back now. Are you getting used to the heat? Because it's like going to be 90 degrees today by the beach. It it's crazy. It's crazy. Listen, I mean, I, I, I had heard about the heat wave that's happening here in Southern California. Was not pre- prepared for it until I walked into my house and it was like a sun. It was too hot. Listen, I love the heat. But not right now. It's spring. It's supposed to be springtime. All right, we have a lot to get into, so let's get to today's headlines brought to you by Circus Sports. Well, the Dodgers opened the season today with the Colorado Rockies after the Angels opened the season yesterday in a loss to the Houston Astros and the Padres lost to the Diamondbacks 4-2. What are you guys looking forward to the most about this upcoming MLB season? It begins and ends with the Dodgers. Everyone's talking about how talented this team is, and they certainly are. I mean, they like just on paper, the most talented team, the most talented roster. Dave Roberts is guaranteed a World Series championship. So that's what I am most looking forward to. Uh, again, the Dodgers over the last 10 years have had, you know, very talented teams, uh, teams that have won 106 games. But... The issue is, can they close out? Can they sustain? And when they get to the postseason, close the deal out. And as as great as that World Series championship was, a lot of people are saying, okay, so you did that in a 60-game truncated pandemic season. Can you do it during a 162-game season? I want to see them. So I'm really looking forward to watching what these guys do. Mookie Betts. Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner. I want to see this all-star lineup. So we'll see it for the first time today against the Rockies. But during the course of the season, how do the Dodgers stack up historically? So looking forward to to the Dodgers. Shoshoe Otani, tough loss for him. But I, I, I just unfortunately think that'll be a sign of things to come. For whatever reason, that team has two of the best players in baseball. But as a team... I don't view them as a playoff team. So for me, looking most forward to the Dodgers and if they can live up to the hype as one of the best teams in history. I'm looking forward to the new rulings and how they're going to adjust to that, um, uh, specifically in the NL, right? Because we haven't had it in that. It's only been in the American League. So I'm looking forward to um, adjustments of new rules. I'm looking forward to, you know what? I really hope that... Promises promises have been made for Los Angeles, so I'm really hoping for at least at least a run because we've always had this discussion the at least the last two seasons, you and I, Arash, and it's always the bullpen. Right? It is. Are they going to be able to knock it out of the park with that? They did bring on a, a heck of a closer in Craig Kimbrell, and so we'll see if he, if, if he can be that closer that 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 they need. No knock on Kenley Jansen, but in the big spots in the big moments postseason world series he did not live up to expectations so they got their closer they got their team hopefully they'll be in position like you said ga to make a long 
run, but it's not just about a long run for this team. I mean, they've been to the World Series multiple times, and there's nothing wrong with being the Atlanta Braves of this generation, <laughs> but you'd like for them to win more than one title. I'm interested to see what happens with attendance after, I guess, last year, you know, with the pandemic being what it was. But now that it's like really past the point, I want to see if fans start to go back to the ballparks. because yeah. It feels like it should be um, a cultural activity that exactly. gets us back to normalcy. Well, I, I, I will say, though, that like being in that upper deck, if you've ever gone to the upper deck, those are the real fans, man. So yeah. they yeah. will be there. They will be there. Will will games sell out? I mean, probably not, not for a while, right? Until the, um, until post, uh, post season. But yeah, I, I think it, I, I think people are going to show up. They're going to enjoy so. it. Really, they're going to enjoy a really nice day, you know, at the ballpark. Well, speaking of the Dodgers, the ownership group led by Mark Walter and Todd Bowley are the favorites by Chelsea FC from the English Premier League. Do you like this move, guys? And could this lead to some pretty cool cross-promotion between two of the most storied sports franchises? You know, the, the interesting thing here is, and I, and I don't know if this factored in, probably not. I mean, generally speaking, when you have a premier world-class sports franchise that is for sale, it is extremely rare, whether you're talking about Manchester United or the Lakers or the Dodgers or something. So when those are for sale, it's like a Fabergé egg. It's so rare that you have to purchase it or try to purchase it. The good thing for the Dodgers is the synergy is in place with the blue, the the Chelsea blue and the Dodger blue. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the, there could be so many cool activities that they could potentially do. And listen, there is a big Chelsea fan base here in Los Angeles. Again. You know, you you have that tradition of waking up at 5 a.m., 4 a.m., 6 a.m. to watch your Premier League team play. But the synergy that could be in place here with the Dodger blue and the Chelsea blue uh, could could be a lot of fun. I could see Chelsea playing some preseason matches at Dodger Stadium. The, the Dodgers doing something at Stamford Bridge at at some point. So, um, yeah, I mean, this could be fun. And, and what we're seeing is a lot of the ownership groups in the United States buying teams in the Premier League. Again, Stan Kroenke, owner of the Rams, owns the Arsenal. So, We'll see what happens, but I mean, they are the favorites right now. And at this point, with Mark Walter joining Todd Bowley, it would be shocking at this point to, to those who are covering it for that group not to be the future owners of Chelsea. I'm just hoping that this move, you know, increases maybe viewership because, I mean, gotta love Stan Kroenke and his futuristic, you know, sights that were set on when he purchased Arsenal years ago. But it hasn't made that transition over to fandom, you know, international fandom in the U.S. to love those teams. It's the most popular sports league in the world except for the U.S. But, exactly. but the, the problem with the U.S., and I won't, won't want to say a problem, but just to kind of explain, we have multiple. We have the National Football League. We have the NBA. We have Major League Baseball. We have hockey. So, I mean, there there is no way for a European or a, a London-based sports league to be number one. That's just not going to happen. But I, 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 the, the popularity of the um, English Premier League is massive, though. No, no, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not. I'm like, if, if anything, it is. In, in any other space, this would be like a, this is going to be a huge story, yeah. right? But 
in the U.S. space, it's just not because yeah. the interest isn't really that high when it comes to um, when it comes to quote unquote football or soccer. Yeah. Right. So I'm just hoping that the interest goes up. Is that yeah? That's you all know, because so when 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 people have wondered, you know, when can soccer become one of the big sports? And I, and I think it. I think it's getting there, but you will never have the major. You will never have Major League Soccer compete with the English Premier League, <laughs> Spain. I mean, because why? Because we have four professional sports leagues here, and those are the best. The best players in the world play in the NBA, the you know, uh, you know, hockey, Major League Baseball. So. I think it's as popular as it's going to be because in Spain, you don't have four other professional sports leagues. Well, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook sat out of last night's Laker loss to the Golden State Warriors. But there was one bright spot as THT finished with a career-high 40 points. Taylor Horton Tucker is still just 21 years old. How can this performance help the Lakers as they look towards next season? Well, so the big thing there is that he is 21 years old, and that is amazing when you think of the fact that he contributed to that 2020 championship squad. I mean, he was so young, he couldn't drink when they won. So he's 21 years old, and he was a player that was a huge trade piece. Whether he could, you know, contribute to the team or be a, a, a piece, you got to remember, he was the central figure in a proposed trade for Kyle Lowry uh, a year ago. So what happened was this year, and it's not that nobody wanted him, but his trade value was so low. And I think at least last night showed that. Listen, this kid's 21 years old. He dropped 40 points. He can do that. If you're, you know, I'm trying to think of like, like he. If you're a Charlotte or if you're not one of the best teams in the league, um, you can bring him on and he can be a solid player for you. So when you look at deals that they can make, and so it's one of two things. Like obviously, whether he contributes to this team next year or you package him and get some pieces because they have to adjust this roster. There's no way they can run this thing back. So. It was good good to see it because this was the player that we thought a year ago, wow, like either he's going to be a, a major contributor or they can flip him for someone else. Two things. I think the first thing is the rest of the season, he should be the number one option oh, and let him um, increase that trade value as much as possible. The second thing is everybody talks about Westbrook not fitting with LeBron. I feel the same way about Horton Tucker. He can't really shoot, needs the ball in his hands, and he's not really a fit with either LeBron or Westbrook. You take him to another team, I don't think he's a starter in the NBA. Maybe a six-man in that role where he just comes in and scores for you. Yeah. I could see that, and like you said, he's still young. I'm not really a big fan of THT, to be honest, but yeah. 40 points is impressive. Yeah. So even if it's late in the season and guys might be playing at 50% or whatever, it's still impressive, and I still want to see what he does the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, give it to the young guys. I've already always said this. Give it to the young guys. Those are the that's your future. Those are the guys that you should be looking at as, I guess, for the Lakers at least, like what they would call what trade bait, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess give it to the young guys. Let them let them play. Let them put them on the table for you. Um, I would prefer for them to like help your your situation grow, but I don't, just don't think that that's where the Lakers are at. Yeah. So, um, which would which is unfortunate. 
Well, the Clippers are officially in the play-in tournament. The schedule is official. They will be traveling to Minneapolis to play their old friend Patrick Beverly and the Minnesota Timberwolves on Tuesday night on TNT in the 7-8 versus play-in tournament game. If they win, guys, they will be the 7th seed and play the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. If they lose, they will either they will host either New Orleans or San Antonio in a win-or-go-home game to decide which team will be the 8th seed and play the Phoenix Suns. What do you think happens? Listen, I mean, the way that they're playing right now, they got Paul George back. They get Norman Powell back. Kawhi is, looks like he could be back perhaps by the first round again. That's not official, but I mean, the way that he's practicing behind closed doors, um, would not be shocked to see that happen. So I, I, I think the Timberwolves find a way to win the game on Tuesday. I think the Clippers come back home and win that game on Friday. I think either matchup is really hard for them, and I mean, I'm not going out. I'm not going out on a limb there. But the, you know, Memphis and Phoenix, to, to my mind, have been the top two teams in the West. Uh, Phoenix, clearly the best team in the league. Um, so a little bit too little, too late for the uh, Clippers in terms of I, I don't know when they're going to get Kawhi back, and they're going to need Kawhi if they're going to beat Memphis or they're going to beat the Sun. So I think they lose to Minnesota Tuesday. I think they beat either New Orleans or the Spurs Friday, and I think they lose in the first round. I think, I think it will be a fantastic series no matter who they play, but I do not see them beating Memphis or Phoenix. Minnesota is interesting because they're a very young team and they're going to be full of adrenaline in in early stages in that game. And I think it's a great opportunity for a veteran Clipper team to come in and punch them in the mouth. When a team is full of adrenaline, sometimes they can go the wrong way. It can boost you and they can come out shooting out of the gates or it can affect you negatively. In the first round, it's the thing how I look at it is this is the team that basically went to the Western Conference Finals and then you add Norm Powell. With or without Kawhi, that team took Phoenix to six games. I'm looking at it as if they play the Suns, I really think it's going to go six games minimum. Maybe even seven. I wouldn't pick the Clippers, but I do think that they're going to be a really, really tough team to eliminate in in round one, regardless of their opponent. Yeah. I I mean, I'm really hoping that the veteran, you know, um, the veteran showing works out, right? Um, That's the hope. Um, But... Good and good on paper, bad in bed might might happen for this as well. So I, I don't know. I, I'm very I'm very pessimistic when it comes to the Clippers, yeah. um, even with having you know a couple stars back in Norman Powell and in Paul George. So I, they could prove me wrong like they did last season, and that would be glorious. I, yeah. But you're right, Arash. I don't see them going past the first round with either of these matchups, even if they go um, past the mem- uh, past. Minneapolis and go to Memphis or go to uh, Phoenix. I still see them, you know, not making it past the first round. So last night, Nikola Jokic playing uh, became the first player in NBA history with 2000 points, 1000 rebounds and 500 assists in a season. All I have to say to that is (laughs) um, the Nuggets clinch a uh, fourth straight playoff berth and are currently the sixth seed in the West. Is the Joker the MVP this season? You know, it's a tough race this year, but I'm going to give it to the Joker. Listen, it's Joel Embiid's in the race. Giannis Antetokounmpo's in the race. I like the Joker, and I, I, I think sometimes for voters having a random, like, round numbers, and listen, I, I don't want to knock the stat line, but it, it, it you know, kind of like you're like... 
I remember covering games and you'd get this talent. You know, the first player to have 24 points, 13 assists. So it's like you can, you could, you know, play with statistics that way, no matter what. It is still very impressive what he's done this year. And like, Without Nikola Jokic, this is not a playoff team. Now they are the uh, sixth seed. They're not in the play-in tournament. So I, I do like the Joker to win most valuable player this year. Um, and it's, it was so incredible for me to watch him play because if they had Jamal Murray, man, now we're, we're talking about them as perhaps being a contender to win the Western Conference. We, 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 have to free, we have to remember a couple of years ago when they were fully healthy, they were going up against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. And we kind of, kind of thought at the time like it was a fluke because they came back from 3-1 down tw- twice. This is a very resilient bunch, and I do believe the Joker deserves to be most valuable player. I agree with you. The thing is, it's interesting because if James Harden doesn't go to Philadelphia, yeah. as weird as that sounds, maybe Embiid statistically is having a better oh, yeah. second half of the season, and I think he was in the in the lead before they traded for Harden. But now, yeah, I would agree with you. And in fact, I would say Giannis has taken over that second place spot. Um, with Embiid potentially being, in the history of the sport, a third place finisher with the season that Embiid has had is almost unheard of. It's going to be a really close race regardless, but I agree with you for the reasons you mentioned. If you take Jokic off of the Denver Nuggets, they are an afterthought. They're like the 12th seed, 13th seed, completely tanking. Even with Jamal Murray healthy, without Jokic, that team is obviously not the same. And to me, he's the MVP. Yeah, I mean... I feel like if Murray was back in, we'd be we'd have a totally different scenario, right? Yeah. And on top of it, the West, like no offense to the West, but it's getting dominated by one sole team. So it definitely helps out his cause that I think he's helping out his team in the West where it's dominated by one specific team. And the East is stacked, right? The yeah. East has just so much loaded talent that... But he definitely stands out. I mean, those numbers don't... Numbers don't lie. Yeah. Numbers do not lie. Well, HBO pick, picked up winning time for a second season. Congratulations to my boy um, Solomon Hughes out there for getting the second am. season. Um, what has been the highlight of the series so far, and what team would you like to see a similar show on? Perhaps the Kobe and Shaq Lakers? Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's been a lot of highlights watching uh, this um season so far of winning time i i think the whole uh you know because a lot of laker fans didn't know this and i only knew about it because i read the book the whole um recruitment of jerry tarkinian and that he basically uh, you know was going to become the next head coach of the lakers and you know thinking about how that would have changed the course of history when you talk about J- jerry tarkinian in las vegas with unlv and that scene at pierros and um you know just a lot of amazing scenes uh, yeah listen the Shaq and Kobe team deserves a show. You know that that the drama around that team. When you look at what uh, you know, Kobe and Shaq went through uh, a subplot there. You know, Genie Bus with Phil Jackson, the owner's daughter with the coach. I mean, that's a heck of a subplot as well. Um, you know, if you you can get into what happened with Kobe in Colorado and him flying back and forth. I mean, the Kobe Shaq time period, the Lakers was definitely worthy of a show at some point. Yeah, well, I mean, this, first of all, I'm going to give props to this 
specific uh, HBO special in the winning time. I mean, it, it should have been picked up for a second season because there's so much more of the story that needs to be told as well. Um, highlight so far is probably just the controversy that it's just sparked in a lot of people that just, I, I don't want to say like glorify the Lakers but like there's a dark side and, a, and there's a positive and a negative to everything right so they're glorifying both of those sides I mean like if you watched last uh, Sunday's episode it's glorifying you know the the showtime aspect of it which is awesome right I mean they changed the game when it came to sports entertainment so that's something that I think all Laker fans should be proud of um, to be honest with you, I'm okay with the Kobe and Shaq saga not being covered yet. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to the my Clippers and uh, the movie Blackballed coming out um, with the story of the 2014 Los Angeles Clippers. Um, who I'm just reading you the um, the uh, what what they have on yeah. here. Um, who navigated the NBA playoffs and made controversy after audio leaked of team owner Don Donald Sterling making racist remarks. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to even more of this HBO Lakers series as well. Yeah, I mean, that that that's going to be fantastic. I, I remember covering that and being in San Francisco about to c cover that game when we heard reports of this tape and that changed everything. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, We'll talk more about the Dodgers opening day and the Lakers when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Sports Map Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Sports Map Radio Network. Just as, a just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to a future Kings or Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Now joining us on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, as he does each and every Friday, our good friend Michael Duarte from KNBC4 in Los Angeles. Michael, how are you doing, my friend? Arash, happy Dodgers opening day. I'm excited as my high-strung temperament after I have a whiskey cocktail. I'm ready to rock. Listen, How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Just like you, I'm excited about opening day. You were at Dodgers spring training. You've, you've, gotten, you've, you've looked at this uh, team, which has been talked about as one of the most talented team in history. Your thoughts, what should uh, fans be looking forward to as we go into the first game of a full, thankfully, full 162-game season? Yeah, Rush, you know, this is kind of the time that, that that excitement is alive, and that's because hope is alive. And, you know, it's kind of the complete opposite, the antithesis of what's going on with the Lakers right now. It's a new day for the Dodgers. It's a new year. The winter has finally given way to the spring, and very soon we will all be back at Dodger Stadium uh, in less than a week for Dodger baseball again, which is what fans have been craving and wanting since the offseason ended, since the lockout began, and since we didn't know when it was going to end. And now, finally, that day has come. The season has started. Uh, as we talked about last week on your show, Clayton Kershaw has passed the proverbial baton on to Walker Bueller, who will be the opening day starter. And when you have Dave Roberts out there making proclamations, as we've also talked about previously, that they're going to win a World Series this year, that's what it's about. 
It's about that hope. It's about that faith. It's about that excitement. It's about that belief that this year is the year, and this is just the very first step in a, in a very long process. So, Michael, I uh, do want to get back to the Dodgers, but I do have to kind of put a bow on this Lakers season. Uh, they, you know, closed out the year, not even making the play-in tournament. Uh, they played uh, last night. No LeBron James, no Anthony Davis, no Russell Westbrook. Uh, Michael, I mean, just we've we've talked about this before, but I mean, how do you, uh, you know, kind of summarize what happened there this season? Yeah, Ross, you must have flown back to Los Angeles on a G five because you have sunk the Lakers' battleship. Their season <laughs> is done. It is at the bottom of the ocean. You can kiss it goodbye. And, um, you know, this is kind of what we talked about every time. This was inevitable. This was uh, inevitable as, as the sun shining in beautiful Southern California. And so, you know, it, it's, a, it's a harsh reality. But to quote Sue Lance on his hot mic, thank you to the sun for putting <laughs> us out of our misery. Because we didn't want to see this drag on any further. We didn't want to see this drag on till the end of the season. And there was a part of us, obviously, that would have liked to have seen possibly a Clippers-Lakers at Crypto.com uh, matchup for the right to play the Phoenix Suns in a seven-game series. But as we saw what the Phoenix Suns did in putting the Lakers out of the misery, as you and I talked about, it probably would have just become a, a four-game sweeper, you know, maybe a five-game series that the Lakers would have lost anyways. Now they can get a jump start uh, on getting healthy. Now they can get a jump start on absolutely having to retool this roster and, and improve the team for next year. And although Russell Westbrook and his contract is an albatross around their neck and hearing him say the plan for him is to come back next season and run it back with AD and LeBron. Uh, I think that had a lot of Lakers fans a little scared. And obviously just because he thinks that's the plan doesn't mean that LeBron James uh, or Rob Palenka or Jeannie Buss and the Los Angeles Lakers believe that's the plan. So the last thing I'll say to put a bow on the Lakers is you, uh, so poignantly touched upon is that you know Frank Vogel is going to be the one who falls on the sword for this, and we'll be looking at who could potentially be the Lakers' next head coach. Obviously, you and I have been hearing names and rumors that maybe Doc Rivers would be interested in coming back to LA if uh, the Sixers have an early exit. And right now, they would look like they'd be playing the Toronto Raptors, who just beat them and, and look like maybe the hungrier team. So that could be interesting. Uh, you know, if they do get bounced in the first round uh, as a possible head coach possibility. Also, Quinn Snyder, a former Lakers assistant who's done wonders with the Utah Jazz in a very small market with, with you know, uh, draft players, players they've drafted and, and brought up and, and kind of groomed their own players. He's done very good with them. So maybe that's a possibility that he could return there. But obviously, I think LeBron James, who still has a year left on his contract, will have his fingerprints all over whoever the next Lakers coach is going to be. So that's one thing we'll look at. And then secondly, um, you know, you remember that tweet the rush that LeBron put out before the season, he said, keep calling us old. Yeah. Keep saying that uh, we're too, too past our prime to play in the league. Keep saying that, you know, uh, this guy is always injury prone or this guy can't shoot. Keep that narrative up all season, he said. Well, guess what? We did keep that narrative up all season, and it was the fans and the media who were proven to be correct the entire time. And it was LeBron who wanted it to use it as fuel, and it ended up backfiring and blowing up its face. And uh, it's interesting because I wonder where he goes from here because, it, you know, eight, Anthony Davis was injury-prone. When he's not injured, he's a top-five player in the league. But the last couple of seasons, he hasn't been able to be on the court to help LeBron James. I wonder if that is in his psyche at all. 
We've talked about that previously on the show. Russell Westbrook, um, just by the numbers, is the worst three-point shooter in the entire history of the NBA for guys who have shot as many threes as he has. Um, LeBron knows he needs shooters around him, so Russ has to go as well. And uh, all the old guys he wanted on his officer, you know, the, uh, the geriatric ward of the Lakers, so to speak, uh, all those guys have to go as well because they weren't even playing. They were on the uh, milk carton all-stars there by the end of the season. And it was the young guys who were getting the action, the guys like Taylor Norton Tucker, who scored a career-high 40 points on Thursday against the Warriors, Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, uh, you know, Kendrick Nunn got $5 million essentially to have season tickets to Crypto.com and just watch the team this year. Hey, Michael, thank you, as always, for joining us. Have you heard anything new regarding Kawhi Leonard? And what is your overall thoughts on if we will see Kawhi later on in this season in round one or any point in the near future? Yeah, so Kawhi Leonard showed up at practice uh, the other day and waved to fans. That was a first. Kawhi Leonard has been uh, you know, a little bit more vocal and, and seen uh, at the games and on the bench. So it seems like he's getting closer, potentially. I do not expect to see him at all for the, re- for the rest of the regular season, and I don't expect him to be available in that first play-in game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, which, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, Paul George, and, and Luke Kennard, and the guys on the Clippers, I expect that to be a very good matchup. Winner of that matchup, of course, uh, will have the right to get the seventh seed and play the Memphis Grizzlies. And then uh, if the Clippers were to lose that game, which... I kind of feel like they could, but I also feel like I wouldn't be surprised if they won, but I think the Timberwolves would be the favorite in that game. The Clippers will still have a chance to, to play in a seven-game series and take on the Suns, which would be a rematch of, of last year's Western Conference Finals, uh, and they would be doing that either against the New Orleans Pelicans or the Spurs. I think I would favor the Clippers in either of those matchups, and maybe Kawhi waits to see what happens there, and then my sources and just hearing what I've heard, that would be when you would see Kawhi Leonard in that possible first-round matchup, whether it is against the Memphis Grizzlies, if they're fortunate enough to beat the Timberwolves and, and get an extra couple of days of rest, or if it would be against the Suns in a, in a seven-game series. At that point, you may see Kawhi uh, try to go after it, thinking they could beat the Suns, especially how they were able to play them so closely in that six-game series in the Western Conference Finals I mentioned last year with just Paul, with just Paul George, with Kawhi Leonard out that time as well. Uh, Michael, this is G. Um, and again, we always have to thank you for coming on every single Friday and being so consistent with us. Um, I going back to that other Los Angeles team. Um, <laughs> do you think that there's any hope for their future um, and and the retooling uh, of of the Los Angeles Lakers? Yeah, so, yeah, the other LA team. I get it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hard hard to remember when we're talking about the Lakers now when we're talking about the other. <laughs> right. It's the, the other way around today. But, um, you know, to answer your question, it all really, to me, revolves around Russell Westbrook. This is a topic that, that Arash and I have spoken privately and publicly at nauseum about, We've spoken about it on this show. He's due $47 million next year, Jihei. Fans like to believe uh, naively that he could opt out of his player option next year to, <laughs> quote unquote, help the Lakers. Um, I don't know about you, Armani. Uh, Amani Buffett, Jihei Arash, but if I had a check to you for $47 million, if you said, <laughs> yes, I want to play for you next year, or would you say no and gamble, especially if you had arguably the worst season of your entire career, all of you would take that guaranteed $47 million, and that is exactly what Russell Westbrook's going to do. So that $47 million that the Lakers will have on the book, in addition to Anthony Davis, in addition to LeBron James, 
is completely going to handcuff them. It's going to make the moves that they're able to make very, very minuscule and small. And as we mentioned, they don't have the draft pick uh, or the collateral this, this year to improve the team via the draft either. Now, what I think will happen is, unfortunately, based on just the numbers and salary, there may be a few teams that we haven't looked at or thought about that may be willing to move some other long-term contracts, some dead money to take on the final year of Russell Westbrook as they waive him or stretch him and bench him because they know he'll come off the books. So maybe the Lakers could get a collection of a couple guys, uh, you know, kind of what they gave up for Russell Westbrook. Maybe they could get a few guys on some contracts that's going to be around the Lakers next for another few years if they decided to go that route. But the one that makes the most sense, unfortunately, is what they were talking about at the trade deadline earlier this year, and that's Russell Westbrook for John Wall with the Lakers throwing in a draft pick. As soon as the season ends in about a few more days from now, the Lakers will be able to include that 2029 draft pick now. So then that can be further down the road. They don't have to worry about it, and they can kind of save the 2026-27 draft pick. So you... And John Wall is also a guy making $47 million, but he really hasn't played the last few years, so you could argue maybe his legs will be a little bit fresher. But really, I think they're very similar players, and I don't think it puts the Lakers over the hump as far as getting a championship. I know that's not what you want to hear, but I think that's the best case. And with John Wall being a clutch sports client, and we know who's running the Lakers, uh, with LeBron and Rich Paul calling a lot of the shots as far as the roster and personnel, I think that might be the best they get for, for Russell Westbrook. So uh, do I think that makes them better? No. Do I think they're going to have the money to go out and sign some young athletic guys uh, to potentially help them? No. And typically LeBron likes to go out and get veterans uh, who can help them, uh, you know, on the wings and stuff like that. And so we'll see. Uh, I don't think the Lakers are as attractive as an option as they were a year previously. Yeah. But to me, and to, to finally put a bow on this GA, it's all going to come down to Anthony Davis's health because if Anthony Davis can play 60 plus games and LeBron James can play 60 plus games to me, just those two alone, regardless of who you put around them, you can put you, me, Armani, but <laughs> a rock around them. Okay. And we're going to the playoffs and we're going to have a fighter shot at a championship. So, uh, that's what matters to me the most. And I know people are saying AD needs to get a health and strength, coordinator, a personal trainer, this and that. I don't know how you train in the offseason to not be injury prone. Um, I, I think Anthony Davis needs to go back to the tape and look at how he falls awkwardly and look at how he moves, things like that. And maybe there's some room in there to say, hey, if I'm a little bit more conservative and less, I don't know, awkward, um, you know, with my falls and less aggressive in certain situations, maybe I will lower my risk of getting injured. But that's really hard for a guy like that. One more question, Michael, about Westbrook. There was a report that came out. I forget who, who wrote it, but the option of stretching his contract over the course of three seasons. The Lakers did that similar thing with, with Luol Deng, but the thing is this would put a $15 million cap hit on the Lakers for the next three seasons. Have you heard anything regarding the possibility of that? Yeah, they've talked about that internally uh, as a possibility, and you nailed it. They did it with Luel Dang. In fact, I think this is the final year they were paying Luel Dang. So you could stretch it over three years, and as you said, it would be a little bit over $15 million a year. But again, now, to go back to Jihei's question, if you were to do that, that's money that is still on your, your cap. So are you going to be able to get another 
superstar, a third max player, you can't because you're, you, that money is on the books for you. And that allows you to not go out and get some free agents that could really help you that could potentially be available or, or younger guys be afraid. So that option would really handcuff them as well. Uh, and, and, and as I mentioned, I think the only options the Lakers are going to have, I would say stretching is probably option three. I would say option one, if you can just do a swap for somebody straight up, you know, Ben Simmons was someone they had talked about and he hasn't played a, a, a minute or on the court with the Brooklyn Nets. And it doesn't appear like he's going to be available for the play in game or even the first round of the playoffs if they were able to do that. Maybe Brooklyn would be, uh, at a point where they want to move some money and they want to move Ben Simmons. And maybe that's a deal that they might take. I'm not sure. I doubt it. Cause I don't think KD would want to reunite with Russell Westbrook at all. And they already have Kyrie Irving there to play the point. But I think the Lakers are hoping that option A is they can go out and get some, some guy of superstar caliber that fits a little better with LeBron and AD. Uh, and in my opinion, even though we don't like it, John Wall might still be the best option simply because the money adds up. He will be in the final year of his deal as well. So if it doesn't work out, you don't have to worry about, you know, the 15 million on the books each and every year thereafter. You can just roll the dice and see if, uh, him not playing in a few years has motivated him and made him a little bit better and maybe made his legs fresher. And then maybe, you know, he could have a better three point percentage than LeBron has. I'm not sure. But, um, to me, it's definitely not what you need. The Lakers won a championship with LeBron running the point with the ball in his hand, bigs around him to win the rebounding battle and shooters around him. And that's the formula, in my opinion, to win another championship. Uh, and with guys who can play defense, young athletic guys who can run the court, run the break, uh, and get back on defense as well. That's what they were lacking this year with all the older players. But to me, that's what they need. And, um, you know, the only, the, an option two to your, to your point would be what I mentioned earlier, which is maybe there's a team that's willing to take on Russell Westbrook's 47 million in exchange for two or three guys that are on the books for the next three or four years with contract numbers that that team doesn't like. And then in that case, the Lakers could get a few players for Russell Westbrook that maybe help, maybe some better pieces, maybe younger pieces but that you're on the books for them for a few more years as well. So it'd be harder for you to move them or reset. But maybe that's what LeBron and, and Russ Paul want to do. Uh, Michael, another Dodgers-centric question for you. Mark Walter, Todd Bowley are currently the favorites. That group who owns the Dodgers are favorites to purchase Chelsea. Now, I think this is kind of a cool move in terms of, and I don't know if this played a role. You got the Dodger blue, you got Chelsea blue. Uh, this could be kind of an interesting move. And also, Stan Kroenke owns a Premier League team. Uh, your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I my thing is, at the very least, that group puts their team in a position to win. They will spend. Uh, your thoughts on Mark Walter, Todd Bowley in line to perhaps purchase Chelsea? Yeah, great question. You know, uh, Bowley, you know, Bowley, who was a part owner of the Dodgers um, at the time, I think still is a part owner of the Dodgers. He actually tried to purchase Chelsea from uh, Abramovich three years ago, I believe, uh -huh. or maybe even longer than three years ago, and Abramovich rejected his offer. Now, obviously, he's in a much different situation yeah. uh, being a Russian oligarch uh, and what's going on with the Russian-Ukraine conflict now, but I think that would be a great move. I think any time the Guggenheim partners and uh, the guys you mentioned, Mark Walter as well, anything they touch seemingly turns to gold, especially they put the correct pieces around them. So I think as far as if you're a Premier League fan, if you're a Chelsea fan, especially when you have Christian Pulisic, who arguably is the best 
United States American men's player we've seen uh, in generations. I think this is a great move for them if you are a fan of Chelsea and can potentially you know, dethrone Manchester City uh, and some of the EPL powerhouses to put Chelsea back on top. So I definitely like that move. The one thing I'll say to this, Arash, is you know, look at what Chelsea was before Roman Abramovich yeah. bought them. He put a lot of money into it, which is what you need to do to these teams, which is what the Guggenheim Group always does uh, when, when they purchase teams. And so, you know, I, I feel badly that he's getting the team taken away from him or he's now saying he's going to sell the team because he really did do a good job of changing the culture around there, uh, putting in players and pieces and coaches uh, to make them competitive. And I actually have been out to uh, Chelsea's home stadium uh, right outside of London and watched a Chelsea-Manchester United game and just seeing how rabid those fans, those hooligans are, especially their own players and their own coaches. So uh, it's worse than how we are with our own Lakers and Dodgers here uh, in Los Angeles. So I definitely hope that whoever ends up buying Chelsea from Roman Abramovich, they do the same thing he did, and that is inject an influx of money um, and care and, and try to make the team better and try to compete for title. Uh, Michael, last 60 seconds with you. Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, the Angels, do they finally make it to the postseason? They lost their first game of the season. I just feel so badly that two of the top players in the game right now are on a team that will not make noise in October. Yeah, Rosh, thank you, and I know we got less than a minute. The Showtime era of the Angels has begun. Don't know if you guys are watching Winning Time about the Showtime Lakers are <laughs> addicted right now. Uh, but yes, the, the, the Showtime era after having the MVP start opening day uh, for the Angels is something that everyone is excited to see. And, it, and the funny thing is, Arash, everyone knew this offense would be stacked and would be great, and we weren't worried about the offense. We were worried about the pitching staff for the Angels. And so watching them go out there and kill Hayatani only give up yeah. one run, but they lose, that's a little discouraging. But, you know, they waved Justin Upton. And that's the guy I thought would be huge in that lineup, especially yeah. to be able to play the DH. It tells you how cheap Artie Moreno is because he owed him the money, $27 million, I believe, and he didn't want to pay it. So I think Arash, with the bolstered bullpen, with the way I saw Thor, Noah Syndergaard pitch, I think the biggest thing for the Angels is health. If they're healthy, the answer to your question is yes, they make the playoffs. If a couple of guys get hurt, Shohei, Mike Trout, Thor, anybody on that pitching staff, they don't have the depth like the Dodgers do to make a playoff run or to make it. So it's all coming down to health for the Angels. Thank you so much, Michael. You're the best. That's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again on Monday. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.